helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. of an iron fist and a velvet glove has been an excellent one to describe modern government in America. Not the limited and enumerated powers created by the framers of the Constitution, but the desire of the American people to get goodies from government. So many have relished in the velvet glove forgetting that it covers a fist of iron. For example, how many people have complained about the federal government's reaction to the wildfire in Hawaii? never realizing that disaster relief is not a power delegated to the federal government. Or, or called for the federal government to protect us after September 11th, never considering the tyrannical ways they would go about it. Then, of course, there are the blatant bribery of education funding, infrastructure projects, and regulations that claim to protect us, all of which is used to coerce the American people into compliance in order to keep receiving the filthy lucre. Yes, the American people are more than happy to trade their rights for the velvet glove. Recently, however, the velvet gloves used by so many in government have worn threadbare and useless, leaving only the cold, hard reality of the fist of iron now being used to destroy the opposition. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you could join me today. You know, as we discuss this idea of, of the iron fist and the velvet glove, and uh, the examples have been so numerous. You know, I, I've said for years that the people are fools to depend on government to provide for them, knowing that or forgetting that gov the government that gives you everything you want can take absolutely everything that you have. It just seems like the recent examples are so blatantly obvious. I wonder if the American people are starting to wake up or just looking for other ways to roll over, you know, hit the snooze button, roll over, and go back to sleep. I mentioned the, the fires in Hawaii. Well, a new twist has arisen. Uh, the O'Keefe Media Group has sued the, the governor of Hawaii and the county of Maui. Now, why did James O'Keefe and the O'Keefe Media Group, why did they follow the lawsuit? Well, they claim that um, restrictions created under the governor's statewide emergency um, prevented them from exercising their freedom of the press. It said that they could not, they were, they were prohibited from capturing images or footage on public lands as they were investigating the aftermath of the wildfires. They, went, they go so far as to say that um, should he persist, should James O'Keefe persist, with his recording activities and reporting on the wildfires and their origins, he may face arrest. Imagine being arrested for reporting on public land uh, about a, a public incident. In fact, Mr. O'Keefe claims he has concealed camera footage of law enforcement relaying this mandate to journalists, telling them they're not free. Now, again, we have the first problem of it's not a First Amendment issue if it was done by the governor of Hawaii because the First Amendment starts out with Congress shall make no law. I, I know it, it's a this, this horse should be dead, but it keeps raising its ugly head. We have to remind people this is not a First Amendment issue. It's the courts that have made this a First Amendment issue. It's a 14th Amendment issue, absolutely. 
because the 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 journalists are being denied a right that uh, anyone else would have, and that is the 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 right to uh, the freedom of the press, you know, the ability to participate in the art and business of publishing. But that's, you know, again, we're dealing with court systems and the courts have so mutilated the Constitution as to make it almost unrecognizable. Now, furthermore, I think he has an action because according to law enforcement, journalistic work was not criminalized by law, but through emergency proclamations. I, I, I thought we lived in a republic, not a monarchy. I didn't think that Governor Green was the monarch of Hawaii that could simply make proclamations and have them treated as if they were law. But I have to wonder, now where did the governor of Hawaii get the idea that government had the authority to shut down freedom of the press, to censor information, to prevent people from expressing news, from gathering information on public land, and then expressing it to the public? I wonder where the governor could have gotten such information. Could it possibly be that the federal government has been using such information now for many years? That they have censored information that was inconvenient to a certain political party? You know, like one of the son's drug problems or, or lost laptop, like uh, evidence of criminal activity by the, the, the family of a prominent political figure by simply referring to information they don't like as disinformation and setting up uh, agencies and programs for the sole purpose of suppressing information they don't like. Could it possibly be that the governor got this idea? Or is it just so natural? There's just so much part of, of human nature, of the, the, the nature of a tyrant, that once relieved of the restrictions of the Constitution, of the state of Hawaii, and of the United States, this becomes a natural order of things. Could it be that by such overuse of the velvet glove of, of, you know, we're taking care of you, they've worn them so threadbare that they don't even worry about them anymore? The, the idea of a soft surface is just worn through, and all that's left is the iron fist of tyranny. Well, Cash Patel has been the, is claiming in a lawsuit that uh, uh, he's been the subject of this that uh, he's suing the FBI director, uh, Christopher Ray and other DOJ officials for performing unreasonable searches and seizures on his personal records. Now, according to the, uh, the, the lawsuit, um, FBI and Justice Department officials obtained a subpoena in 2017 for Patel's personal information as part of a politically motivated investigation. Now, it's funny because he said that it was in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Now, all right, this is a Fourth Amendment issue, but notice something. The officials uh, obtained a subpoena. You know, I've read the Fourth Amendment many, many, many times, and I don't see the word subpoena in there anywhere. You know what the Fourth Amendment does say? It says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Not a word about a subpoena. So my first question is, um, first of all, where's all this? Subpoenas have become the, the legal nonsense to get around the warrant clause. Right? I don't have enough for a warrant, but I can make a, I can get if I can convince someone to give me a subpoena, most people simply roll over and, and hand it. It's like, well, it's a subpoena. It's it's an order. 
I remember when I got my uh, first federal subpoena. So far, the only federal subpoena, by the way. And it says, you are commanded. I was commanded to appear. I'm like, you don't have any right to command me to appear. Now, again, I looked at, at this and I said, well, if the, if the defense has a right to call witnesses, the prosecution should have a right to call witnesses. And, uh, you know, so while the word commanded, I believe, is, le is legally dubious, or I should say constitutionally dubious, since the law and the Constitution are not even close relatives anymore. But the, the, the state had a right to call witnesses. They wanted to call me. Well, that is until they found out I actually was a, a law-abiding, intelligent, uh, constitutionally aware citizen. They wanted, so I was willing to comply. But I have to wonder, someone shows up with a subpoena for my records. Uh, no. No, you need a warrant. What's the difference? Subpoenas don't have to come before a judge. Therefore, they don't follow, they don't follow probable cause. They don't follow due process. Now, this is, this is the way the scam works. See, again, in November of 2017, Mr. Patel says that uh, a warrant, I'm sorry, a subpoena was issued by and, and given to the FBI and the DOJ for personal information it was apparently delivered to Google. Then in December of 2022, five years later, Google notified Mr. Patel that they had handed over information to the Department of Justice officials. Now, this gets into a very interesting place. It's what's called the third party doctrine. It's another one of those um the, the, the Supreme Court twisting the plain meaning of the law to get what they wanted. You see, the, the again, go back to the Fourth Amendment. Um, we see, uh, uh, you know, the right of the people to secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches. Well, what makes a, a search reasonable? According to the Founding Fathers, the first thing you just looked for was a warrant. If there is a warrant issued based on probable cause, or by oath or affirmation, then okay, that was a made a search reasonable. There was also the question of uh, what's called um, exigent circumstances, a situation so urgent and dire that waiting for a warrant was was unreasonable. But we didn't have that here. So we the courts come up with this ridiculous third party doctrine. And I've written about it. You can find it um, on the website. I think just search uh, go to constitutionstudy.com, search for third party. You'll find it. Uh, it was this ridiculous idea that, well, once you put records in a third party's hands, you consciously give up your right to the Fourth Amendment, to Fourth Amendment protection. So you have no reasonable expectation that they're actually going to keep that stuff secret. Now, do you know why I don't put stuff on cloud services? Why I, I drive my accountant nuts by refusing to use an online accounting system? See, the courts have decided that my data is no longer mine once I store it on a third party. Sorry, ain't going to do it. But you see, that's now where Mr. Patel is. Because you think about it, if you have a smartphone, your data is, is, held, is held by either Google or Apple. And if you use any of these cloud-based services, they are holding data. And the vast majority of them will simply hand it over based on a subpoena for the simple reason of, why is it in their corporate interest to fight for a warrant? Why should Google or Apple or Facebook 
or X or any of these places, why should they defend your rights for you? So one of the things I'd like to see is an amendment to the Fourth Amendment to understand, to recognize that when they talk about uh, persons, houses, papers, and effects, it's not simply stuff in your possession, but stuff that is created is either cre created by you or is about you. So that would be a nice little tweak. So I'd love to see the Fourth, the fourth Amendment amended to say um, there are persons, houses, papers, and effects either possessed by them or in reference to them shall be secure against unreasonable searches and seizures. That way, when you, um, when you uh, write a check and uh, 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 you know, the bank sees it, the bank simply doesn't hand over your bank records because that's information. That's information generated by you. It's about you or medical records about you. We wouldn't need HIPAA if we could simply say, listen, information about you is yours to control. But we went from these, you know, we need to be able to issue these subpoenas so that we can search and we can find, find information so we can protect you from the bad guy now being used. Now, the question is, was this done uh, as a political attack? In this current climate, wouldn't surprise me one itsy-bitsy little bit. Oh, there's a big surprise. That's an incredible, I think I'm going to have a heart attack and die from that surprise. That's just the way of thing, things are today. Because let's face it, the political use of law enforcement has become a staple of the last six years, uh, especially of federal policy, but politics at all level. And, and it's nothing new. It's like so many things. It was under the surface, and it's just kind of worn through the velvet glove, and it smacked us right in the face. In fact, interestingly, three more January 6th defendants have signed on to an, an amicus brief asking the Supreme Court to uh, opine on the use of a, a, a specific federal uh, law dealing with the obstruction of an official proceeding. Here's, here's the, the, the details of the, the specific law reads, whoever corruptly, one, alters, destroys, mutilates, or conceals a record, document, or other object, or attempts to do so with the intent to impair the object's integrity or availability for use in official proceeding, or, number two, otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes the, an official proceeding or attempts to do so shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. Now, here's the interesting thing. The question is, were the, the January 6th demonstrators corruptly uh, attempting to instruct, obstruct, influence, or impede an official proceeding? Now, yes, people did enter the Capitol. That's true. Um, first of all, were there was there an attempt to obstruct a proceeding. Many of them were. I, I'm, I don't believe all of them were, but I believe many of them, they were there to obstruct a proceeding. But was it done corruptly? I take you back to 1944, Eastern Tennessee, when a group of uh, military veterans obstructed the, the counting of stuffed ballot boxes. So that wasn't corruptly. They were attempting to stop a corruption. And I believe in the minds of most of the people who entered the Capitol on January 6th, they were working not to subvert the Constitution, not to act corruptly, but to prevent the culmination of a series of corrupt acts. That's going to be interesting. I'm, 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 I'm kind of waiting to see where the court falls on this. 
because I, I'm sure I haven't taken a real deep dive into that particular law, but it sounds like corrupt intent is important, and corrupt intent isn't disagreeing with the guy who won. Corrupt intent meant I'm trying to change something that was lawfully done. But if that is true, then all the defendants have to do is saying, no, we were trying to prevent something that was corruptly done, and here is our proof that it was corruptly done. Something to keep our eyes on, something to see what's going on. Because again, some 236 separate defendants have been charged with this proceeding uh, in, in relation to the, the January 6th incident. Now, I have to take a break. Before I go, a couple things I want to remind you of. Please check out the Patriots Boot Camp. It's available at constitutionstudy.com slash bootcamp. Um, it, it, it's your introductory. It's your step into the wider world of the Constitution Study Patriots. You'll be invited once you com successfully complete the boot camp. Um, it's all online. It's a video. It's absolutely free. And it was a recording of a boot camp I held down here in Middle Tennessee. And I think you'll find it both interesting, enlightening, and, uh, well, hopefully energizing, willing to get involved. The exact opposite of getting involved is simply falling asleep. Are you, are you tired all the time? You have a hard time falling asleep? Well, I found something that'll help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply so you can wake up refreshed and ready to go. That is REM sleep, the REM sleep supplement from Healthy Cell. It's the only sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep. Now, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell, whether you're REM sleep or any of their products. You can find out more at AmericaOutloud.shop. But I want you to do those. Go to HealthyCell.com, put your order together, and use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Hey everyone, this is Nurse Kimberly Overton from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminish, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, we can start restoring and revitalizing our body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use, and I can attest to seeing fantastic results that have included better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports our immune system and enhances our body's natural ability to repair itself. It's promoting overall well-being so that we can start experiencing a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of our health by harnessing the power of ASEA. Visit our online store at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15% today. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. 
crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today we're talking about the Iron Fist. And if there's one example of the velvet glove around an Iron Fist being worn through, it has to be climate change. In this case, so many things about climate change. We've been told for decades, we're all going to die if we don't do something. And people didn't do anything. And of course, we didn't die. So the people who, want, who promoted climate change, they just kept saying more and more, you, you've got to do more. We've, we've gone from you should do something to you. It, it's wrong if you don't do something to now government forcing people to do things. And again, the cherry on top of this awful Sunday is electric vehicles. Now, listen, as a technology, I have nothing against electric vehicles. They have their purpose. I think they make a lot of sense in dense urban areas. Again, not for the climate change nonsense, but simply because in dense urban areas, one, you tend to be driving relatively short distances. And two, the electric vehicles don't put out an exhaust at the tailpipe, so they move the um, they move the the consequences of their operation outside of the uh, outside the, the city. Right? It's not that electric vehicles don't cause emissions; they do. They just don't do so directly. They consume you know the, the generation of electricity, which is generally by uh, natural gas nowadays. Um, is not done inside the city. It's done outside the city. So you especially think about Los Angeles in the 70s and the 80s when, you know, smog everywhere. It makes a lot of sense. But the question is, on its own, it makes a lot of sense. In the big picture, it doesn't make a lot of sense. For example, electric vehicles are expensive. They are much more expensive to purchase and uh, uh, in many cases to operate. But let's start with purchase. It costs ten to twenty thousand dollars additional just for the electric vehicle. Uh, in 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 our current uh, economy, they are less convenient to operate outside of urban and suburban areas because, well, there just aren't charging stations. And even if there are charging stations, it takes longer to charge. You take a a, a gas powered vehicle. You know, I I've traveled the country doing events before and. Um, you know, I can stop for oh five ten minutes and put enough fuel in my car to uh, operate another three to four hundred miles. To do that, an electric vehicle will take mm, an hour or more. So actually, what the you know, many of the programs that they use to plan out these routes actually don't charge the battery up to, full enough to do three four hundred miles. They'll do one hundred and fifty two hundred miles because that first part of the charge is quicker. Right, but that's we now get back to the iron fist and velvet glove. So in other words, electric vehicles make sense. In fact, was it how Great Britain used to use them for milk delivery until um, late in the 20th century? But they make sense in certain situations and under certain conditions. But you see, that wasn't good enough. So the government said, "Well, listen, if people won't buy uh, electric vehicles because, well, we say they're a good thing, how about we offer incentives?" 
There's the velvet glove, right? We'll we'll subsidize the per the creation of these electric vehicles so you don't feel the entire weight. We'll get everybody in the country to help you buy your electric car. It's basically what they're doing, right? They're they're trying to get everybody in the country to buy help you buy your electric car. That's what a subsidy is, a federal subsidy is. The states had subsidies. I remember when uh, uh, I lived in New York, um, I consider I was going to put solar panels on my on the roof of my house. I had a southern face. Uh, it was not uh, obstructed by a lot of trees. It would have been a pretty good deal until the iron fist came in. See, in that situation, the state wanted the uh, uh, the electricity provider, the electric provider, to come through my house and, well, tell me what I could do better. It's none of their business. And that literally, that was the deal breaker, was I'm not going to make a condition of putting up these solar panels, uh, opening my home to other inspectors to tell me what I should be doing with it. That's my home. I decide. And it's kind of been that way with electric vehicles, right? You know, okay, we'll give you incentives, we'll give you discounts, we'll give you tax credits, we'll give you all these types of incentives. And still, people weren't buying electric vehicles. Now we have that uh, Velvet Glove has now worn through. And we have the Biden administration and regulators in California that are trying to force people to go to electric vehicles. How are they doing this? basically by making it harder and harder or more expensive to operate gas vehicles, artificially increase the price of gas vehicles. Now, we've seen this from uh, the EPA setting rules about uh, mileage standards. Again, something they don't legal have the, legally have the authority to do. There's, there's nothing in the Constitution about regulating vehicle emissions or mileage standards, but they do it because they set it and we all go along as if they actually have the power to do it. Again, knowledge isn't power until you put it into effect. And laws are meaningless until you actually enforce them. That includes the Constitution of the United States. So now we went from the, well, gee, we will give you an incentive to, um, no, we will just grab you by the, the hair and we will force you to do what we want you to do. We, we will we'll, we'll forego the velvet glove. We'll create regulations that make it Harder and harder, more expensive to make gasoline vehicles, not because the gasoline vehicles are inherently more expensive, but because government regulation is making them more expensive to get you to coerce you, to force you into buying electric vehicles, even if they make absolutely no practical sense. Because what happens is they're pressuring car manufacturers to make more and more electric vehicles, a power they don't legally have. But you see, well, the state of California might. I'm not an expert on the California Constitution. At the federal level, though, they're trying to make, uh, they're trying to order um, manufacturers to produce a certain percentage of electric vehicles, even though people aren't buying them. So we see the, the iron fist coming through the velvet glove and saying, we will crush, we will make you do this. And of course, another example of the velvet glove rubbing through, or the, the being worn thin, and the uh, the iron fist coming through, well, we saw it through with Trump. Right, it went from calling him names, uh, dismissing him as un as unimportant. Then he, of course, wins the twenty sixteen election, and we spent four years with um, continual uh, investigations that we find out after the fact had no predicate fact. There was no probable cause. There was no no 
predicate fact to investigate. They were investigating the man, not any crime he allegedly committed. Uh, we saw uh, how many years did we have with the Russia hoax, which turned out to be uh, DNC propaganda. Yeah, it was it was a um, it was opposition research by the Democratic National Party. You know, we see all of this, and and we thought, wow, that's just terrible. That was still the velvet glove, ladies and gentlemen. Then we started having impeachments for stuff that, well, wasn't a, a bribery, treason, high crime, misdemeanor. They had no evidence. We had members of the House claim they had evidence. When asked to produce it, they could not. They had no evidence. But they still impeached him. And now we have the criminal charges. Again, many of the, of the uh, indictments I've seen, they're indicting him for saying things. They're indicting him for, you know, they're indicting people for renting a room at a hotel, a conference room, so that they could meet. It's crazy. And again, it's not just Trump, right? Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas was impeached. Um, turned out that whole thing was a sham as well. They claimed that, uh, I guess, he was, he was helping uh, a friend of his, a real estate mogul in some deal. They provided absolutely no evidence. It was it was uh, uh, it was it was ridiculous, and then fi finally, all the counts were proven false. Now that doesn't change the fact that the iron grip. How much time? How much money has Mister Paxton and the state of Texas spent on this impeachment? But you see, that's the iron fist working its way through that velvet glove and saying, you know what? If we can't stop you... Now, again, I'm not a big fan of Ken Paxton. If you've listened to this station, for to this program for a while, you should know that uh, I found many of his, his filings at the Supreme Court woefully wanting. Woefully wanting. I think he, he ruined any chance at uh, getting to the bottom of the January 6th... Uh, I'm sorry, of the 2020 election uh, debacle by his awfully, awfully constructed uh, uh, complaint at, at, the, at the Supreme Court. Just, it was awful. But he is, a, uh, he's a human being. He is a citizen of the United States. He has rights. And I think what was done to him was even worse. It's one thing to have a, a, an attorney general that, um, I don't know him well enough to judge him as an attorney general. What I've seen of his work has not impressed me. For the most part, it has not impressed me. But that's not the same as saying he should be indicted because of his political support. But you see, what we're seeing there is, in those, as I relate the the Trump indictments and, and, um, and, and impeachment and the Paxton impeachments, what we see is the iron fist of if we cannot deal with you at the legal level, we will attack you at a character level. In other words, we can't find anything that you did illegal, but we will find a way to character to assassinate your character. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the iron fist behind so much of the rancor, I believe, going along with, again, January 6th. The very same people who are, who are blaming people for demonstrating against the, uh, uh, or those who supported those who demonstrated uh, on January 6th about the problems with the election, have spent years, if not decades, denying elections, claiming that, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the very same people who claim that um, 
people demonstrating outside the Capitol. Now, again, the people who entered the Capitol illegally, not the ones that were let in by the Capitol Police, the, the people that did physical damage, th but those are, those are minor crimes. Those are misdemeanors. You're talking about trespass, minor property damage. That's not what we're being charged with. But the people who are complaining and the people who call this an insurrection are the very same ones that tried to interfere with the 2016 election, that tried to interfere with the 2000 election. If they don't get the way, they interfere. That's the, the iron fist inside that velvet glove. And again, this is not one-sided. I see this in so many different levels. For example, um, you remember when the, uh, the, the FDA told pharmacists not to dispense ivermectin to treat COVID? And then they came around and said, yes, you can dispense ivermectin to treat COVID. And of course, the reports came out that there were pharmacists that would refuse to fill ivermectin prescriptions to treat COVID. And people were getting all upset. What do you mean? Why can't you do that? But remember, the... Uh, these are the same, the, the people very, that many of the people that are complaining about pharmacists not dispensing ivermectin are the same ones that complained when pharmacists were coerced to dispense, say, uh, the, the morning, you know, uh, medical abortions, chemical abortions. If is, is, is not, uh, are pharmacists not human beings? Do they not have their own right of conscience? You're telling me that a pharmacist that you don't want to be coerced to uh, issue a one drug should be coerced to issue another drug. That's part of the problem. That's the the you know the velvet glove of you know oh you know rights of conscience. You have a right to refuse. You can't be forced to to uh, uh, dispense treatments that violate your religious convictions. Now their doctor saying, listen, it, it violates my religious conviction to. Um, to dispense ivermectin to treat COVID uh, because I've got reports that say it could be harmful. Turnabout's fair play. Now, what's interesting is how do we react to it? Some people are calling for doctors to be forced to issue, um, to, to dispense ivermectin to treat COVID when, when they've got a prescription. My and I've never I haven't encountered this, but my response to anything like that is, then I'll find another pharmacist. See if the pharmacist believes they know better than me and my physician what treatments I should be taking for different. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not coming to you for medical advice. I'm coming to you to dispense a drug because the government says I have to come to you to dispense the drug. By the way, a government doesn't have legal authority to do that, but that's a whole other question. If we want to be fair, they have the right to refuse. I also have the right to refuse to do business with them and to go somewhere else. Now, maybe that includes going to the management of that pharmacy or that pharmacy chain and saying, um, listen, your pharmacist will not dispense ivermectin. Will I, can I have another pharmacist dispense it for me? If the answer is no, then I will find myself another pharmacy. But the iron fist we see peeking through many, in this case, what people would call themselves conservative is no. I want to force that pharmacist to dispense to me what I want, when I want it. I don't care about their conscience when it's to my benefit. I only care about their conscience when it's, when it's, when it's to my benefit. When, they, when their conscience aligns with mine, I want them to have conscience clauses. When they're 
when their conscience differs from mine with a no, I want force, I want coercion, I want that iron fist, because that is part of the heart of every human being. And denying it doesn't make it any better. It is there. And I think we need to remember that as we are pointing fingers at those who are using their iron fist, we must look at our own tendency to use that iron fist for ourselves, for our own benefit, for our desires and our preferences. I'm not saying we don't have them. I'm saying as human beings, we should be able to control those impulses. As adults, we should be able to control those impulses. That we put that velvet glove on to temper the tyranny that reigns in our own heart. I have to take another break. Before I go, you know, every day I go to AmericaOutloud.news. I get news and information, and I use it to help build this radio program. I use it for my social media. I even post it to my website. You can do the same. Go to AmericaOutloud.news every day and find out what's interesting. Find the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, whatever it is that you find is important and interesting. And then share it. See, it's by sharing that knowledge, sharing that information that we gain power and we distribute power to others so that we can all secure the blessings of liberty. Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
welcome back, everyday Americans. You have rejoined the Constitution study as we examine the iron fist of government. Now that it has shed, in many cases, its velvet glove of sensitivity. We've looked at it through the, the federal lens primarily, whether we're dealing with... Uh, we did deal with Hawaii, but um, we, t we talked also a lot about the, the federal response. But um, I want to take a look at a couple more state, uh, state options, state and local options. Now, we now have a 7th California school district that has adopted a policy to notify parents of their child's gender status change. Again, we're talking notification. Uh, at least two of them have been sued by the Attorney General of California. One a suit, I think, has already been dismissed, uh, been found uh, uh, to, to be not valid. Um, and that's what we're seeing. See, we're seeing the iron fist of the state of California squeezing these school districts, saying the parents don't have a right to know what's going on with their children. Now, originally, there was a lot of, there was a velvet glove. Oh, we're worried about the children. We don't want them to feel bad. We're afraid that parents may, uh, you know, treat them differently or, or treat them bad if they actually know, ignoring all the negative side effects of a parent not knowing. The most obvious being medical care. If a child has made a gender status change, if, if they've gone to the school and said, I'm, I've changed. Uh, are they taking any medications, any hormones, uh, or any just psychological issues? The parent does not know about, so the parent takes them and and um, treats them the way they think they are. Again, what's the outcome? If, if a child is getting hormone treatments and develops some some issue, and she the you know mom takes them to the doctor, and no, they're on no medication. I don't know. Now you've got a doctor trying to diagnose a problem without having all the information, which could be quite deadly to the child. And of course, ignoring the fact that suicide rates among transgender who transition are no different than transgender who don't transition, we're not ignoring all that. What we're dealing with is the state of California has decided we're going to just kind of hide this. And when the school district started changing their minds, when the school district started saying, no, we need to be responsive to the parents because we have a, 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 an obligation to the, the, the people in, rightly in charge of the, of the raising of the child and education of the child, the state of California comes in with the iron fist and tries to crush them. The fact that we have a seventh school district that has approved this, to me, is good news. This, by the way, is, I think Dry Creek Elementary uh, is the last uh, uh, the school district to, to do this. Um, this is good. It, it One, it shows the tyranny of the government of the state of California, but it also shows some spine in these uh, school districts. And it's why I say, don't fight the big fight, fight the local fight. I'm not saying the big fight isn't important, but if you haven't fought the local fight, you're not ready to fight the big fight. The parents and the school boards in these school districts have fought the local fight. Now they've got the local fight, they have a, a a better they're better prepared to fight the big fight but if they didn't bother to go through the school district they're not as well prepared that that's that's the way i see it that's what i that's what i've seen and of course you have new mexico governor grisham's attempt to simply uh we'll just ignore the constitution the constitution of mexico united states will pretend it doesn't exist Apparently, she was more than happy to use a velvet glove as long as she got her way. But when she didn't, suddenly her oath 
is meaningless. Her oath is conditional. So when she took her office, she took an oath to support the constitutions of New Mexico and of, and of the United States, she apparently had her fingers crossed because she said, well, they weren't absolute. See, if you don't get what she wants, even if, this is the other interesting thing, and I want to back this up just a little bit. So uh, the stated goals of Ms. Grisham are good, and that is to decrease violence uh, and crime in her state. I have no problem with that as long as it's done without actually committing crimes. Um, the methodology that she uses is not only a crime, it's failed. So she claims that she can simply suspend your right to keep and bear arms in a city because she declares an emergency. There's no legal justification. The Constitution has no emergency clause. The, 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 the supremacy clause says, doesn't say the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Well, unless there's an emergency. But notice, she, you know, when she doesn't get her way, here comes the iron fist. And of course, a lot of people push back, and I'm glad that they did. The, the attorney general, the district attorney, the chief of police, the sheriff, they all said, no, this is, this is wrong. This is unconstitutional. We cannot do that. Of course, it doesn't mean she's going to stop. But then again, she's not the first uh, governor to try and implement illegal demands in order to get their way, and she's not the first governor to lose. Whether it's it's lose the support of people in her state, possibly even lose an election, but we're still dealing with the pain of the iron fist in that velvet glove. We went from, you know, the government was there to protect our rights, Declaration of Independence, that governments are instituted among men, deriving their to to, to protect these rights. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. She went from the velvet glove of you're there to protect our rights so that we can do what we want without and 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 exercise our rights the way we see fit to the the well will we we'll take care of you. You don't need to have a gun to protect yourself. We'll have police, we'll have law enforcement. You don't need to defend your rights, we will do it for you. And um now the 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 iron fist comes out and says, Yep, except when you don't do it the way we want, we will crush you. And that's where we sit. That's where so much of America sits today, is they've been lured into complacency by the velvet glove, only to find that it entrapped them in that iron fist. Now, I have to give people their due. Uh, I may disagree with them and what they're doing, but I have to agree when someone's actually doing the right thing. See, the California legislature recently approved a resolution to uh, call a convention to propose an amendment to the Constitution. They're actually following the law, which is you know, well, pretty much pretty surprising for California. Now, the problem is what they're proposing is a basically a repeal of the Second Amendment. They don't like the Second Amendment. The, the fact that um, uh, you know, guns are used far more often to save life than to take it criminally um, doesn't matter to them. They want to propose what they call a right to safety amendment, which in itself is ludicrous because there's no way that the government can protect, can, can guarantee your safety. Your safety is your responsibility. It, it's again, it's the, it's the velvet glove here. We just want to give you a right to safety. You can't have a right to safety. 
The only way you have a right to safety is if somebody basically wraps you in bubble wrap, locks you in a room, and doesn't let you go anywhere. A, a right to safety literally is a right to the government control every aspect of your life in an attempt to keep you safe. Today, it's gun sales and, and uh, you know ammo sales. It's going to be electric vehicles, and it's going to be a ban on gas cook stoves. When is it simply, uh, well, you have to take this injection? At least they're, I give them the credit to say, we want to have, we want to propose a constitutional amendment. It's a constitutional amendment to tyranny, but that wouldn't be the first one of those either. Anybody remember the 18th Amendment? Prohibition? Yeah, that kind of got kicked out in, 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 the, in the, the 21st Amendment, but... Again, it's just another amendment to tell people how to live their lives and to tell them, you won't be allowed to protect ourselves. You're going to take your right to keep to be safe, and we're going to hand it over to government to take care of you. And nobody thinks the, the iron glove, the iron fist of, of government will be used, to, to, will abuse that right to safety in order to further infringe on the rights of the American people. See, the history of the growth of the federal government and even of our state governments come from this, this velvet glove, this, this promise to do something for you. Look through history. Yes, you can see part of it going back into the 1800s, but look through history. Late eight, starting in the late 1800s, what do we see? We see the government saying, we must do this for you. We must take over land so that you will have uh, free and clear spaces. What if I would rather uh, be able to sell that land? No, no, no. We know better than you. We will do this for you. We will take care of you in your old age. Uh, we will make sure that, that uh, you get the, the wages that you deserve. We'll make sure of everything. And then, of course, when people don't like the way the government has decided to do these things, we feel the steel, the iron fist behind it. Like so many things in life, this is not this is not an immediate change. This has been coming on for decades, and people have been warning about this for decades. It just we didn't really believe it because we still could just feel that velvet glove of government will take care of us. They'll give us clean air and water. Uh, they'll protect us from forest fires. They will. They will come to our aid under natural disasters. They will, they will do all these things. And every time they fail, we wonder, gee, what went wrong that they failed? Think of it this way. They failed because the federal government was never designed to do that. They, they, they failed at, at helping the people in Hawaii because the federal government's not authorized to do disaster relief. They failed at the promotion of electric cars because the federal government is not authorized to tell you what type of vehicle you need to buy and under you know, what needs to be in it. Again, I like things like seatbelts and and uh, backup cameras and, and airbags, but the government doesn't have the right to tell me you must have that in your vehicle as a condition of it being sold. Every time we just snuggle into that velvet glove, and ignore the iron fist behind it, we turn over more and more of our rights, our liberties. We, we become less free every time we do it. And remember what Benjamin Franklin said, 
he who will give up essential liberties for the promise of a temporary safety, deserve neither liberty nor safety. That's where we are. We have given up our essential liberties and said, government, you take care of us. And now we're getting the squeeze. That temporary safety is coming at an end. And we get the squeeze of the iron fist. The good news is, this: we're not without hope. Look at the parents in those California school districts that, that stood up and got their school boards to say, no, we're, we'll tell you if your child makes a gender change in school. Now, that's a tiny step, but who was it that said that a, the journey of a thousand miles begins with but a step? It's a step in the right direction. And I think that's the thing the American people need to remember. We don't have to win the whole war. We just need to make another step in the right direction. Another step towards freedom, another step towards liberty, another step towards the protection of our rights. We don't need to do it in Washington. We don't even need to start in our state houses, although that'd be a good place to work. We start in our own backyards, our school boards, our county commissions, our, our city officers. Let's make sure that they recognize that the velvet glove is. Um, is a metaphor that the true iron fist in this country is not the government. It's the people. The constitutions of most of our states recognize that all power is inherent in the people. We have the power. We have the fist. We have the, the, the law when we'll use it. Now, some of us have some knowledge towards that. But again, knowledge isn't power until it's put into action. It's why I do what I do. First, I want to help people with some knowledge. Then I want to give them some tools so they can take action. That's what I did with the boot camp. Again, constitutionstudy.com slash boot camp. It's a one-hour video. It's absolutely free. And, and first, I show you some of the basic foundational principles of the study we use, the, the, the techniques we use to uh, understand and to build our positions, our arguments, and our papers. But then we give you some tools, tools you can use right away to begin defending your rights, to recognize, to take that knowledge and then help you put it into action. So we want to give you some of the knowledge and then put it into action. And I'm hoping that once you've been through the boot camp, when you get that invitation to join the Patriots program, you'll give it a serious consideration because, well, this is what we need to do. How do we, how do we uh, read and study the Constitution? How do we teach the rising generation to be free? I'm hoping you'll part I'll at least give it a try. What does it cost you? An hour of your life. There's no financial cost to it all. I hope you will give it a, a try. You know, I believe Patrick Henry is the one who said, is life so dear and peace so sweet as we purchased in slavery and chains? That's the question we all have to ask. That's the question we have to ask for ourselves. Will we, will, is, is the softness of that velvet glove, that, that offer of being taken care of, is that so sweet that we'll not only enslave ourselves, but enslave our children, our grandchildren, all of that? Nothing comes for free. There is no free lunch. 
Every if a government that can give you everything that you want can take away everything that you have. And history has proven eventually it will. Somebody will come along and use those powers you've given them to take away everything you have. We don't have to to live that way. We don't have to change a whole country to do it either. You can live your life a little more free. That's what we try to do here. That's what I try to do on this radio program. That's what I try to do on the Constitution Study. And I'm glad you came here and joined us. And I hope you'll come back. I hope you join us every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. Now, if you can't listen then, that's fine. All the shows go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen in your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Uh, Leave us ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's how other people find us as well. So you can find all the links you need for this at americaoutloud.news. But just as knowledge is not power until it is in action, just as a law is not effective until it is enforced, all of this information, all of these tools, all of these capabilities are of no use until you share them. So share the links, share the stories, share the articles. You're doing more than just sharing the Constitution study. You are sharing the blessings of liberty.